This is the Power Cosmic, our comic book podcast about anything we feel like talking about. I'm your host, Alex, and my co-host Skylar could not be here to record the intro, but he is in the rest of the episode. If this episode feels like it starts off very quickly, that's because there is a part one, and this is a part two. If you want to go back to hear our discussion on first appearances of famous DC Comics characters, look for part one before you listen to this. Um, so now we're moving into Marvel Comics, or Timely Comics, as it was known yeah, at the for Marvel time. Comics number one. Yeah, right? Marvel Comics number one, um, where the Marvel name came from. Yeah, and you know, you got a. I only read two of the stories in it, uh, introducing the two characters that are actually uh, that were most important: <laughs> the Submariner, who I think we'll talk about second, and first of all, one of my favorite Marvel characters. The Human Torch. Not oh, Johnny Storm. Yeah, not the Human Torch you know and love. <laughs> no, no. This is the first android in the Marvel Universe. Living, thinking being. Um, just made, you know, a synthetic body. And somehow, while making a living, thinking robot, the scientist didn't expose him to oxygen. Uh, yeah, it's, Somehow it's he was exactly... just made literally in a vacuum. Which seems like so much work. And then he turns the robot on and is like, I'm going to unveil it to people. Exposes it to oxygen and the robot just catches on fire and starts screaming, which is the funniest shit to me. <laughs> it's like that comic where the guy's like, I've created a robot that screams. Why? Uh. Yeah. yeah. This is just a robot that's existence is pain. And how do you make a robot that just catches on fire and not notice that at any point that there's this huge design flaw that if it comes into contact with something that's literally everywhere, it catches on fire. Yeah. I love it so much. It's so stupid. It's it's the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah. And you know what? This comic's good. Yeah, no, it's... This first issue of Human Torch, it's good. Or first issue of Marvel so Comics. It's funny, first story too. It's good. Yeah. It's the best one in the book. Yeah, um, oh and my God. and one of the best ones we read. I'm gonna go out on a limb. That's my hot take. Oh, that's interesting because I I'm, I think I'm more a proponent of action comics. Okay, yeah, some of those are pretty good. Or possibly um, some of the is, later this ones. This is one of the better ones we read, though. Yeah, and the robot catches on fire when it touches oxygen. I'm yeah, gonna just well, be cackling about that for the rest so of the like, episode. They don't super explain his creation, but there was a scientist. Somehow he never came into contact with oxygen. Yeah, and so this dude is like Midas, but with fire. <laughs> yeah. And this robot is just, it, you know, it's a very Frankenstein tale. He's like, gee, I wish... He doesn't, it, after a while, seem to be as upset about being on fire, but he just seems to... Yeah, he gets used to it pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't like that he burns everything, but... Yeah, this is an interesting sort of, um... <laughs> <laughs> we could even call this a modern, modern Prometheus. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it very uh, it much is, a, is Frankenstein. It's a sort of a Frankenstein tale, but but a twist on it, and it's I like it. At first, I wasn't even sure if the Human Torch was sort of like a sentient robot, but it quickly is revealed that he is. He also knows a lot for someone that has been conscious yeah. for potentially a week, because at one point, this corrupt gangster yeah, is just, just like, I'm going to take this torch this robot, and rather than selling it, I'm just gonna have it burn down a steel mill if the owner doesn't pay me a small pittance of protection money. So he just puts the robot in there, and the robot's like, why is everything catching on fire? I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. He's using me for racketeering. 
How do you know what racketeering is, you flaming dumbass? Yeah, he, um... Like, he knows so much about the concept of like, morality and racketeering, and I'm like... He quickly, like, at, at the beginning of the issue, he's kind of confused, because he he's on fire. a racketeering alarm that he was programmed with? Yeah, but uh, clearly he was programmed with, like, the knowledge of a human adult. Yeah, yeah. And I love that he's not... He is a hero, but not super heroic. He's sort of an anti-hero. Yeah, he tries to do good as much as you can when you're on fire and everything around you catches fire. Eventually, somehow, he finds out that pouring nitrous on himself... Yeah, this is still confusing. You would think allows him to just control his powers. You he can, would think that that would light you more on fire. Yeah, and somebody tries to shoot him, and it just melts because he's still hot. Yeah, after deflaming. I think by the end of the issue, weird. I think by the end of the issue, he figures out how to control it just by will. Yeah. Also, apparently, sure. because he's flame, got blue and red flame, he can jump really high, like yeah. Superman. It's not very well explained. I will say, I I do like this issue, but <laughs> the the, the I love of, this like, issue. The flame. The art is not always that great. The flames look kind of weird. Yeah, he Once looks again, a like, lot like a flame demon. Uh, like, like crooked smile. Like, he enjoys it. Oh, he, yeah. At points when he's, like, burning the racketeering guy and he's like, die, rat. Yeah. Now, um... And then he, like, burns this guy's entire house and his secret anti-flame base that he melts into that he just had. And he's like... I'm going to get you. And then this guy tries to throw, like, sulfuric acid at him. It explodes before he can even get him. And he's like, he's dead by his own hands. And it's like, your own intervention very much caused <laughs> this human torch. Yeah. Yeah, but it is it is pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was this was one of my favorites. Yeah. I had never read I, this I one like the ending where uh, uh, he gets back in the custody of the scientist. And the scientist's like, I can make money off of you. And he's like, even you are corrupted by... Yeah the promise of me and then just leaps out of the burns yeah. a hole in the ceiling and just leaps away everybody, everybody forgets he can just burn a hole through anything yeah no they even the judge even says oh, i might as well just let him go free because he'd probably just burn a hole in the jail and walk out yeah i don't know what happened to the original human torch in like the modern I think he Marvel became canon. vision like Did his he? body was used as basis for vision i believe so i don't know i know vision that might have been is wonder man's um but i don't know yeah, I don't know. Human. Someday I'll look it up. Yeah. To check back in next episode. I need to... Uh, <laughs> we could have an entire episode probably delving into the lore of this character that I absolutely love. Oh, yeah. He's great. If the you, robot if, that just burns when he's exposed to oxygen. Uh, this this story is somewhat recapped in the first issue of Marvel's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Alex Ross it's kind of the start of I, um, uh, the Marvel Universe before even Captain America. And he is referenced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah, he, he He's does. He's in, in Captain, Captain America. America. There's a robot in a glass tube, and I'm just assuming it's that him. somewhere somebody yeah. was like, I'm going to unveil my robot to the world that has never touched oxygen until this point, and then it caught on fire. Yeah. Um, anyway, but anyways, um, yeah. Yeah, so the rest of the issue, like some of these others, is a sort of anthology. So next we get the angel, not the X-Men angel. But this guy with a really dumb costume. Yeah, this guy... Uh, I read this story... I couldn't tell you a thing about it. It was really generic. It looked like it. I skipped it. I don't blame you. Uh, I read it and simultaneously skipped it because I can't remember a thing. Um, he. Oh, my, my one note here is... My one, like, important note is that, like, 
in so many of these old comics, we touched on this before, these heroes will just kill people. Yeah, a lot of murder, a lot of murder. The um, sort of moral compass that is in a lot of today's heroes where people don't like to kill, not there. Moving on to Submariner. Speaking yeah. of someone who kills, some people are diving, and then a figure with weird yeah. wings on his feet comes out of the ship that they're in, and he just thinks, robots, crushes the diving helmets, popping their heads like grapes. Yeah. Um, this is after he cut their line, so they're drowning in their diving suits. Uh-huh. And he just crushes them like grapes. Um, and this is the beginning of the Submariner's quest to fight against the white race. Yeah. Uh, Hello, Submariner. base department. Submariner is evil Aquaman. Yeah, he's <laughs> Submariner, kind of very enjoyable. Like he is just yeah, as I much of a story. dick as he later would be portrayed as. Yeah, this guy is still around. They almost comics. set it up as him having like a chance for a redemption arc in the first issue, because he's like very much kind of just this subservient. He's not the king of Atlantis. He's just no. subservient to the whims of the king of Atlantis and his mother. His mother looks real weird. Yeah, his mother's blue, um, but, you know, mentioned she looks a lot like the white race. They mention the white race, like, a lot in this one. Uh, Namor does not have a problem with all humans, just the, just the whites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure he knows other humans exist. Yeah, I think he'd probably be like, eh, you're not white, Namor you get a is pass. a half-human, too, isn't he? Yeah. He is Aquaman, but evil. Yeah. He is interesting, and I know that the first crossover of all comics is him fighting the Human Torch, and I'm, I could be wrong, but I believe it ends with Namor deciding to go to the Path of the Angels. I couldn't tell you about that, but I do know, not in this comic, but pretty soon, uh, like the first big sort of event is when he floods New York City. Yeah, that's his fight with Human Torch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then Human Torch comes and stops him. Yeah, and I think he changes his mind and becomes a hero. Yeah. He I definitely mean, decides to fight the Nazis at some point. He's, he's still kind of an asshole. Yeah. Later on. I mean, to this day. Yeah, he's much... In Jason Aaron's Avengers, he's basically back on his bullshit. Yeah. He, of he's saying, no, you're not allowed on the water humans. He, he flip-flops around a lot. Yeah, he just commits murder, though. Oh, yeah. He, he's, like, remorseful about it somewhat. A little bit. When he, like, realizes that he killed people. I mean, not very much, but he's like, oh, mother, are you sure this is a good idea? And she's yeah. like, yeah. All he's right, got a so Norman Bates relationship with this mother, kind of. It's yeah, interesting. I was going to talk about his mother. His mother's pretty weird. Yeah, she, like, went to spy on the white race and uh, got married. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm... need to be married to conceive a child. Yeah, I'm... Uh, the, Doesn't work. The circumstances of his birth are a little weird. Yeah. So I she... think he predates Aquaman, right? I think so. Yeah, I, which is interesting. I mean, they're very different characters. It's they're the same character, and it feels like a Swamp Thing Man Thing. Uh, yeah, that's an idea for a future episode talking about Swamp Thing and Man Thing. Yeah, they're very much the same character, but very very different. Yeah, like, their characterizations are completely different, but they are also both half human kings of Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but yeah, he looks like kind of like a man, but he's got like elf ears and he's got wings on his feet. Yeah. If you've seen Brightburn, he's almost like the Brightburn version of Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, but his mom and a lot of the other sea people look like fish people. Yeah, yeah, no. And it's there's a lot of diversity of just how they look in Atlantis. Yeah, I was 
not I have not like read much some Namor. look like a, and a some, shellfish. Some are just like people, but blue. Yeah, maybe I, with wings on their feet. Maybe not. I was originally a little confused, but I do enjoy it. Actually, it it, it it's pretty good, especially compared to Aquaman, where I think most sea people that I've seen in Aquaman are mostly human. Though I think a little less nowadays. Yeah, I think in Aquaman, there. I don't. I'm not gonna say any knowledge of Aquaman lore. I have nothing. I've read like. Haven't even seen the movie. I oh, have really? not read any Aquaman, not seen the movie. I actually recommend the movie. It's kind of fun. Okay. It's dumb fun. Yeah. I, but that's about all there is to it. Yeah. Next, uh, there. I skipped even a couple of these short stories. The rest of the issue does not have much lasting stuff. Uh, there's a western set in Cactusville. I like that. Um, there's a. It's a Lone Ranger ripoff. That's about it. Uh, it's the Masked Raider. It's the Lone Ranger. Yeah. Timely yeah. Comics is a little uh, comics fast and, and loose with copying oh, ideas. So many comics of this era, even more yeah. than Timely Comics. Oh, once Stanley gets in, he copies hard. Oh, yeah. Well, the whole industry. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I watched watch documentary, and I, I'm sorry that I can't properly like tell you exactly what the whole story was with this guy saying things, but... But some author famously asked uh, another author who wrote uh, Blue Beetle, the original Blue Beetle, not Ted Cord, not Jaime. Jaime Reyes, not the interesting ones. The original Blue Beetle was originally published by some independent publisher. I can't remember what. Or not independent, but not as big. Charlton, right? Yeah, Charlton. But possibly, I think... It might have even predated Charlton. Yeah, I think it was somebody before that, even. I could be wrong, though. But he asked the author, like, what inspired you to make Blue Dick Tracy, Beetle? right? Blue Beetle. Or, like, well, that too, definitely inspired by that. But he was, but, like, the, the Blue Beetle, like, suit and moniker, he asked what inspired you to do this, and he just said to him, oh, Green Hornet. That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, so. Just, oh, bug color. Yeah. It's... I got an idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um... There's one called Jungle Terror. That one I found really confusing and maybe a little bit racist. Uh, but we'll move past that. It was It's just some people land in the jungle in Africa, or travel to the jungle in Africa, and they're both trying to compete over some lost treasure or something. It was boring. Fun stuff. Skipped even the next one. Don't even Didn't even write down what it was. The last one in the comic, or at least the last one I read, was um, the first piece of Kazar. Kazar? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. K-A-Z-A-R. I don't think anyone has even thought about how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely live action. He, or, like, not live action, but animated appearances. Yeah, he does appear in modern comics. He lives in the Savage Land. Yeah, I think he's king of the Savage Land. They don't Probably. mention the Savage Land here. It's just... Oh, that's weird. It's just some nameless jungle that he landed in. Um, Savage Land mm. is uh, mostly an X-Men sort of place that's mm-hmm. just a jungle in Antarctica that has dinosaurs still. Um, I don't even think they mentioned dinosaurs here. Can't remember. Um, or really, this story is just a Tarzan ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. Same as the last uh, one was a Lone Ranger ripoff. He just lands in the jungle and uh, becomes a jungle man. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Alright. No, we can move past Marvel Comics number one, then we talked about the interesting ones. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, next we can talk about uh, this one. This one's great. This one was a great one. I enjoyed this one. Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. Yeah. Like, no. This first one, appearance was great. One like 
this is one of those stories where like it doesn't like that story is not changed like action comics changed you know detective comics not even an origin this just like establishes an origin and like with a short amount of time manages to set everything up perfectly like by today's standards the stuff with uncle ben is kind of you could view it as creepy but i don't and i I think you'd be wrong for thinking that like it just shows that this like even though this is his aunt and uncle they love him dearly and like peter is like very like shown as very loved like and he has a good home life despite not being popular in high school yeah this this was great and this is pretty much the same like yeah you know the story has changed uncle you know Uncle Ben's get shot. Yeah, he goes to he wrestle. Powers, you know, he wrestles. They say like, yeah. you know, one hundred dollars to the man who can last three minutes in the ring with Crusher Hogan. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, if you want to read this comic and don't want to read this comic, watch like the first half hour of the Sam Raimi Spider. Yeah, no, movie. it's <laughs> very. It's just the same. Like it establishes like he is very loved by his aunt and uncle, and like even like the comic like it establishes like you feel his loss like. One half of the good part of his life is just gone because of his selfish choice. It makes it so heartbreaking. Like, even knowing Uncle Ben dies, you're like, oh my god, Uncle Ben cared a lot for him. And, like... Yeah. Yeah. He's and, just, um, like... I. You can feel, like, his rage. Like, he... It very much sets up. Also, I don't think with great power comes great responsibility, as mentioned. Like, that is just is. a... But Ben, Uncle Ben never says it. Yeah, Uncle Ben never says it. It's a lesson it that he internalizes because of his loss. Final panel of this comic. It's just a like a little. Um, I, I don't know what there, there's a technical term for it that's not coming to me. But it's just like text. Speech written. bubble. Yeah, so, yeah. Stanley or says not it, basically speech text bubble text box. Yeah, it's, it's Stanley. It's it's yeah. just narration. And like I don't know, it's just a perfect origin. It sets up like this tragic element that like now he needs to be spider-man because he knows like yeah. this will happen to other people yeah and um and i don't want them to go through that pain it's great yeah and i think interestingly enough and that this sort of comes up in a lot of this stanley era of marvel comics that we're getting into here um towards the beginning and through this this issue um uh pete here is not really a nice guy yeah. I, I mean he is but like he's he's He's, he's kind of creepy. He's a bit of an incel at points. He's like, <laughs> yeah, hey, you want to go on a date with me? Yeah, I mean, he's... For the he's, last time, Peter, no. And it's like, oh, okay, he's just been harassing her. Uh, yeah, well, he gets, like, hardcore bullied. Also, he's surprisingly confident, which is definitely not something in later adaptations. You know, yeah, like, he, being willing to go up to, like, girls, like... Yeah, he's, he's confident, but he does get bullied a lot. Yeah. Like, people really don't seem to like him. Yeah, no, he is not liked at all. Oh, his original uh, costume for fighting in the wrestling ring is awful. I hate it. I love the Raimi <laughs> one so much more. Yeah. His take on this wrestling costume. Well, to, all right, now... Before I'm he gets little, the webbed one. Yeah, I'm getting a little derailed here, but another great, great retelling of this issue would be the first six, I believe, issues of Ultimate Spider-Man, which I, I would like to cover sometime, because that, yeah, that's this that. issue just spread out more, and it, it tells a great story. Yeah. And I mean, this one does still tell a really good story, like, yeah. with very quick amount of time. Also, I, fun note, the story after this is more, I have a deep, int- like, interest in uh, the Amazing Fantasy, like, the Marvel comics that came before they were doing superheroes, this? when Stan Lee was just, like, yeah. throwing batsh** aliens and monsters at us. This is the final issue of Amazing Fantasy. I know. This, <laughs> That's this, how Spider-Man this, got this, in. Yeah, no, this killed, like, Amazing Fantasy well, and became no, Spider-Man. It, 
Amazing Fantasy was getting cancelled before this. Yeah. And Stanley okay. had the chance okay. to write Spider-Man because they didn't really want to publish Spider-Man. But they said, do whatever you want for this last issue. It's getting cancelled anyway. Yeah. What's well, a fun story is they tell this pretty bog-standard tale, like, you know, like, Amazing Fantasy tale that's like the lighthouse bell guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I remember from it is that they mentioned, this is the story you will never forget. Right after they show you Amazing Fantasy 15 Spider-Man intro. Yeah. And I've already forgotten it. Yeah. Um, Marvel Unlimited crapped out on me. Uh, It's just very funny. Like, it's the very Stanley self-aggrandizing, like, this is the story for the ages, pals. I do kind of like Stanley's sort of text bubble narration, though. Oh, yeah. It does. No. And I'm not, like, shitting on it at all. I love it. It is my jam that he's, you know, like, so confident in his stories. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, something I did find interesting that is a slightly different than modern versions of the story I've read, though this this version is still like the the canonical. Uh, Mar- Marvel doesn't like to retcon stuff too much. Yeah, no, they really don't. Um, to their benefit and detriment. Uh, yeah, but that like he pretty much gets his powers instantly. Like he gets bit by the spider. And then has the powers. Yeah, there's, there's no, no real delay. Yeah, like a lot of the modern films or whatever, he like wakes up the next day and now he's buff or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, this he just steps out to get some air and leaps like 15 feet into the yeah. onto a wall to get because actually, he's about to get hit by a car. Yeah, I actually do think that I've read this issue before, like repackaged as like a kid's book. Probably, but I it's, think it's, it's a classic. It's I a good think one. It had pretty much the same art and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also thought it was interesting, sort of like the beginning of the comic, like the first few pages, felt sort of like this uh, like teen, like almost Archie sort of style. Yeah, yeah, early on it does have that, but also one thing interesting with Aunt May, she's like a reverse Nightwing, she seems to age in reverse. Oh, Aunt May rages in reverse. She's, she's so, so old, old in this, she's so old in this, I, and Peter has grown and she's gotten younger. I actually support that, because like, she's like... In these early comics, especially, she's like ninety or something. Yeah, no, she is the like age gap is a wild. Light breeze away from being in the grave. Yeah, I think the comics typically keep her kind of old. But also, I'm thinking about it. This is a side tangent. I remember in the early comics, it's such a plot point of like, if Aunt May finds out I'm Spider Man, she'll like probably have heart failure. <laughs> she watched her husband get shot in front of her. I think she'll be all right, Peter. Yeah, you're uh, giving her a little bit. Aunt May of this era is she loves Spider Man, but she has some weird plot going on. I yeah, mean, she's like one step from senile in some later comics. Yeah, yeah, it's she's yeah, she she could be his grandmother. I I'm not exactly like yeah. She I is. like the slightly younger version. Now, yeah, in the comics they never really aged her down that much, though she's. More like, I don't know, 70 rather than 90 or something. Yeah, no, she is very old. As is Uncle Ben here. Yeah, but they, they seem, like, weirdly kind of old to be his aunt and uncle. Yeah. I mean, like, I I can see it. It happens, but... Mm-hmm. But it really seems more like his grandparents, almost. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's great, though. Love yeah. this one. Great. About half the issue is Spider-Man, then there's a couple short stories. Like I said, yeah. my... My Marvel Unlimited crapped out in the short stories, and I did not feel the need to go back. I lightly skimmed through them just because yeah. I enjoy them. Yeah. I, oh. I read the first one and a half or so. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, we have two more. Jeez, we read a lot of these. Yeah, we maybe have overdid it. Yeah, we may bit off a bit more than we can chew. Uh, 
Might need to be two parts. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll split this up in the DC. You'll find out. We'll see. We'll see how long it takes to record. We'll this. find out how long when we check uh, the timeline. Yeah, when we do another one of these, we probably will not be reading so many individual issues, and hopefully, just like yeah. one or two, maybe three, and story not going arcs. as in depth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, next. This one's fun because it's weird. Uh, Tales to Astonish number. Yes, this is my 27. jam. This is the first appearance of Hank Pym Ant Man. Yes. Which is interesting because he is not Ant-Man. He is not Ant-Man at all. I also I think there's a different woman in his life other than... Uh, I'm not remembering this. I'm just remembering it getting know. mentioned. It gets brought up in an Avengers run that he had another love. Probably. I yeah, no, he's just a scientist here. <laughs> yeah. Um And it's basically the Incredible Shrinking Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, my first note on this one, though, is that this comic has some real good Jack Kirby art. Oh, yeah. And this is, that's what I love about the old Marvel comics, like, from, like, what they call the Monster Age, mm-hmm. which I love that Marvel, like, they have such a dedication to canon in Marvel, that it's canon that just, during the 50s to, like, early 60s, life was just miserable on Earth. Aliens were showing up every other week, and it's getting stopped by, like, a slight coincidence. Like, Earth was just in terrible danger, no superheroes to protect them. Just monsters showing up. Just society should not have progressed as much as it did. It should have been sent back to the Dark Ages because of yeah. how much stuff happens. Yeah. Well, well, back to this story. This is Honey, I Shrunk the Hank Pym. Um, yeah. He... It's he, a horror comic. Yeah, it's, it's which, like a horror thriller kind of... Yeah, it's like like Hank Pym, just a unknowing scientist, gets shrunken down to ant size and just has to survive the yeah, ants. They, they don't talk about Pym particles, but he has some like potion that he's created. And he's like, oh, these other scientists who think I'm nuts, they're going to believe me now. I'll prove them wrong. I'm drinking this potion, and it works. He shrinks down, but he's a big dummy. He can't reach <laughs> the potion that shrinks him back. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's so good, and he's just like, I'm in trouble now, and has to, like, survive, like, ants, which are, like, ferocious. Yeah. Like, God, I wish this were a part of, like, any, I wish this were a part of, I don't know if it's part of the Ant-Man movie, but it should have been. It's not really, but... It should have been, like... But this, it does have some interesting implications, because he ends up, like, sort of communicating with the ants, not not directly, but, like, he, by the end, he sort of gets the ants vaguely on his side... And, like, uses them to get back to the potion that makes them big. Yeah, it's so good. And so this, it was fun because they went back to these themes when they were deciding to create Ant-Man. Yeah, no, they decided, like, a few weeks later, or a few months later. Yeah, this is... Um, not the next issue, even. They're just like, hey, that was a popular story. What if we bring it back? This is issue 27. I had originally written it down wrong because of the Ant-Man weirdness. Like, him, Hank Pym as Ant-Man... Ant-Man is introduced in Tales to Astonish 35. This is 27. Yeah. So just less than 10 issues later, uh, they decide, let's go back to that Hank Pym guy and make him a superhero. Yeah. And it's, it's just so cool. I love that. Yeah. And I, I like that he sort of has this built-in origin. Though it does make the end of this issue weird. <laughs> because at the end of the issue, he's like, I gotta destroy this potion and never use it again. And, um... 
Which is a very Hank Pym thing to do, as it yeah. would later be established. You'd just be yeah. like, oh no, I've created something that will ruin humanity. Yeah, let me just throw it out. And then, like, the scientists who made fun of him for his idea are like, hey, did your idea ever work? And he's like, nope, you were right. I'm a fool. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so good. I'm trying to remember, because I read many years ago the first Ant-Man appearance, and he just, like, for no reason, is like, ah, oh, I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, very fun, though. It was a fun issue, and, and the art... By Jack Kirby was really great. Cannot recommend the Marvel Monster Age enough. Like, just <laughs> Tales to Astonish, Journey into Mystery, like, before yeah. they become superhero comics. Journey into Mystery uh, quickly became Thor, didn't it? Yeah. Journey into Mystery is dark. I think it even predates uh, the comics code. Like, it's a hundred issues in do. by the time that um, Thor shows up, or something like that. Really? I didn't There's realize a it was lot. that far It's one of the older ones. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it existed concurrently to Captain America. Hmm. I don't know. Which I, I read Captain America for this as well. That was wild. Do you Not want to talk good. about that one? Um, I can quickly talk about I, Captain America. I didn't. Yeah, Skylar Forgot. didn't read this one. Oh my god. Uh, but uh, you know what, uh, Skylar? You don't need to. It's no good. Captain America number one is not that good. I cannot recommend it. Uh, I would recommend watching the movie. You know, it tells the same story but better. Yeah, Bucky's not a... Oh, Bucky. Oh, Bucky. Bucky is everything wrong with Robin, and only that. <laughs> um, yeah. Bucky's really annoying in this, and he makes no sense. Um, this was art by Jack Kirby, which is good. Very Jack young Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby does great, great art, and we'll, I'll bring him up again later. I mean, these these Marvel issues quickly get into being a lot of Jack Kirby. Yeah. And Jack Kirby's art is incredible. I absolutely love it. Like, there's I nobody that does something like him. Like It was so, so influential on yeah, it's not natural looking but it looks good yeah now here in captain america he had not really reached that peak yet i think he was this... under 18 when he wrote yeah, it he was very young also ready to tumble with a nazi who came into the mar the timely oh yeah. excuse me studios i was telling alex about this beforehand um you know the famous cover captain america punches a nazi an american nazi had a huge issue with that came to the timely lobbies it was like bring me the head of the man who um who drew this, and Jack, like, you know, the receptionist calls up Jack Kirby and says, like, there's a man here wanting to see you, he's a Nazi, he's really upset. Jack Kirby says, bet. <laughs> Run, starts running down the stairs. The Nazi presumably hears, boom, 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 <laughs> yeah. of Jack Kirby coming down to rock his sh He's gone by the time Jack Kirby gets there. Yeah, Jack Kirby, um... Jack Kirby hates Nazis. <laughs> yeah, no. And um, America he, was not in, uh, was involved a, in World War II by was, the time that uh, Captain America came out. Yeah, Captain America number one came out before America was was part of World War II. Yeah, it he just hated clearly Nazis. Clearly, very much wanted America to get involved. Um, oh yeah, this very issue propagandistic, which is very, very, bad. very, very much propaganda. And um, that's you know the good and bad sort of um, at the time. I could see how it might be a positive thing. Uh, America, you know, Nazis were awful, and this comic was very anti-Nazi. Mm -hmm. um, mind you, <laughs> there's some kind of racist-looking things in this comic. I'm um, not surprised. The way the German Nazis are drawn is pretty racist, and I know that uh, when it later, a couple of years later. Um, when they have some stories that the young uh, allies is uh, exists, yeah, and like I don't even want to talk about young allies. A couple, a couple years later, there's like you know they get into uh, Japan and whatnot, and the the the, mm -hmm. 
the the, the way that DC the is also guilty of this. The Japanese Very characters guilty. are Superman, drawn. Guilty of this. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. It's the it's the whole era that had had some really awful depictions of Japanese people, black people too. Oh um, yeah, just, young allies, whitewashed Jones. Yeah. There's just so there's so many racist characters in this era. Yeah. And, and you know a lot of them, especially in like Captain America, had this sort of propaganda angle mm-hmm. to to like sort of demonize the enemy. And yeah. it's not great. Yeah. Especially looking back on it. Yeah, it's very upsetting. I don't have too much more to say about this. Yeah. There okay. was some extra stories in the back of Captain America number one. They were bad. I skipped over them. Um, Red Skull shows up and Interesting. dies. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when they get to the classic Red Skull, but this guy was just an assassin wearing a Red Skull mask. But yeah, the, the stories weren't that great. Um, the the origin of Captain America was kind of interesting. Done way better in the movie. Watch the movie. Yeah. Is, yeah. And a lot of these... We talked about Marvel's love for, like, canon, love for, like, a, a storyline that doesn't change. Much, much of these Captain America comics are changed. Yeah, they also... Captain America is, like, the... Ex- the exception. Exception type. for retcons. Because like, I think... Captain America was kind of a mess. And also, after World War II, huge mess. Like, Captain America commie smasher, they retconned that so it wasn't Steve Rogers. Yeah, much of the post-World War II Captain America kept running. Um, and at one point it becomes a horror comic, which I dearly want to read. <laughs> um, when Captain Like, there are three issues, like Captain America's Weird Tales, I think, where it just is a straight horror comic. I want to read that so bad, Marvel, please put it on Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> Wanted yeah. to read it for years. So, so a lot of these Captain America comics have problematic things and stuff, so they don't really want to go back to some of these. Weird and, tales, though, I want it. Oh, yeah, there's there's a lot, but there was years of Captain America that ran after World War Two. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, if you are a Marvel fan, you know that Captain America was frozen after World yeah, War Two. Yeah, that was a retcon. For, it, it, that was in Avengers. Yeah. Uh, once they decided on the Avengers, they were like, let's bring Captain America back. And they were like, well, Captain America's still running. Or right? maybe it wasn't still running at that point, but it, it had been. It stopped for the Marvel Age. Like, yeah, as, but it like, had the been horror comics were where, like, those three issues of Captain America's Weird Tales were just, like, straight horror comics that featured less and less of Captain America over the course of three issues. Yeah. Because after World War II, people didn't want superhero comics. They wanted horror, and westerns, and crime. Captain America was... I, I can't imagine... Like this era, the, what I read in this Captain America is straight propaganda. After World War II was over, I don't know what they'd be writing. Yeah, no, Timely stopped doing it. They just leaned into horror comics. Yeah, so they brought him back in Avengers, but there was a number of years of Captain America content that they didn't want to have anything to do with. Yeah, and so they later was just like, oh, that was a different guy. That wasn't Steve Rogers. Mm. He was frozen in ice, but whatever. We can move on to something we both read and isn't as bad. Mm. Um, such as oh, our final issue, X Men. X Men. I disagree about it not being I, bad. Yeah, I misspoke. I misspoke when I said not as bad. This one, you know, should be great. Creative team: Stanley, Jack Kirby. This was one of the first ones I read. I love X Men. I like the Krakoa era. I haven't really read much else because it's such an impenetrable wall to get oh, into X Men. Yeah. Um, if you're starting X Men, don't start here. Yeah, um, it's bad. It's not like even not knowing much about X Men, it is very different, and it's just you know yeah. the teenage kids like, and I think I don't know I would I what 
tossed around the idea of reading Doom Patrol, but, like, I think it... I don't know. I am inclined to believe the allegations that this kind of stole a bit from Doom Patrol. I'm not sure which came first or, or whatever. No, Doom Patrol um, came first, I believe. But I it's know. also a timeline where it could have not been. It's very, it's a debate. Well, regardless, um, Stanley and Jack Kirby, amazing, both of them. Neither one is very Neither good element looks great here. It's not no. the fun, like, Stanley bombastic like crazy plot lines it's just very basic like oh there's some weird people here yeah it kind of felt like phoning it in for jack kirby especially the art like we just gushed about jack kirby this does not look that good yeah iceman's design is horrible i hate him he looks looks like like a a literal snowman he at one point becomes a literal snowman yeah he's Um, also written super annoying and i believe we didn't most of the characters are super annoying yeah no, and like and when everybody G- is horny for yeah. Jean Grey, it, it's literally like I didn't think it could be, but it's X Men might have been hornier in its first introduction than it is during the Krakoa era. Yeah, and the Krakoa era, everybody is hooking up. Yeah, no, like they're just walking around nude it's, at times. It's, it's literally like a like a hippie sort of commune. One thing I did like, um, and it, this is weird. Like we this should is... just, it, 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 I guess, start with the training exercise that they have to do. Um, you know the whole elements of the danger room almost killing the X-Men? Professor X is the one just controlling it and almost oh, yeah. killing his X-Men. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. And they we're... don't get along. Yeah. We, when we start with the X-Men here, it is Iceman, Cyclops, and Beast. And Angel. Four of them. Yeah. Um, and here's the interesting thing. really get along. The relationship between Iceman and Beast is very much the relationship between the Human Torch and... Uh, the thing. You're right. You're like, it is almost a copy-paste, like, you know, Iceman annoys Beast. Also, Beast is not, like, the intellectual. He's another Jack Kirby self-insert, like the thing. Oh, yeah. He's just a uh, buff dude. Yeah, you know, using the same lingo as the thing. He, base- he for all intents and purposes, is smooth-skinned thing. Yeah, he, he kind of even looks like Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm like, oh my god, it's another Jack Kirby self-insert. Like, I have no doubt that he's a Jack Kirby self-insert, and, like, he, he's changed a lot as a character, but that first... He's just a knucklehead, like, you know... Yeah. He's basically it's, the thing. Like, same... Uses the same, like, lingo. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot weird about this issue. Yeah. And like I said, we, we just gushed about how good Jack Kirby's art is, but this issue, the art is not good. Yeah. Xavier is also an asshole in this. Oh, yeah. Very much I, so. Everyone's not that nice. Yeah. Um... Only one that's somewhat redeemable is kind of Iceman, I think. Iceman's okay. He's kind of... I don't know. One thing that is interesting... He's the least horny for Jean Grey. <laughs> yes, and that includes Xavier. Yeah, he's not too bad in this issue, but he does get bad later. Oh, okay, that is interesting, because I noted, like... Xavier is like, I sense our new student is here, and she's beautiful. Yeah, you're right. He's, like, mentally, like... You're right. How are you able to know this? You haven't seen, like, also that's creepy, she's underage, what the f***, Xavier? Yeah, everything's weird. And then everybody, like, gathers around the window. Except for Bobby, who just leaves, and I'm like, you know, maybe him being gay makes sense, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I I noted that. Yeah, I'm like, you know, right here. (laughs) I think that should have been shown to people who, like, his literal first appearance, I'm like, maybe this should have been shown to people who thought he was 
it was weird that he was gay. Yeah, he, like, he immediately, everybody's like, oh my god, a girl, Jean Grey. And he's just like, oh, why are you guys so girl-obsessed? Yeah, <laughs> and he's right. I'm sure it was probably because he's, like, the young one of the group and hasn't hit puberty yet, I'm guessing. I don't even know. I don't know how old they're supposed to be. Also, at one point, Xavier tells uh, Beast to just throw a f***ing bowling ball at Iceman's head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. This whole issue's weird. And like I said, it really kind of feels like phoning it in, both yeah, the no, like, Kirby and the Stanley. X-Men are in more mortal danger from each other in the training than they are from Magneto when he later shows yeah, up. Magneto does show up. He, he like, uses metal in the dust particles to write a message to uh, the military, and he, like, signs his name in cursive with the dust particles, which I thought was really f***ing funny. Um, and then the people are rightfully just like, Magneto? What the f***? Who the f*** is this? Yeah, um, I I noted some weird art on on page fifteen. I d- obviously can't pull it up, but um, <laughs> word bubbles covered Magneto on that page. Yeah, Magneto also doesn't look that great. No, I do love some of his dialogue because he's really hammy. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, really... it's that hammy like dialogue. Oh, it's great. Love. Um, it's yeah. Um, he's really powerful in this first issue. Yeah, Magneto yeah, no, he's widely... able to just like lift things that aren't metal by. Yeah. Using the metal around them. He he widely changes in his power levels over comics. Usually yeah. he's very powerful. This starts him off there. Um, Professor X flew the plane with his mind. Also, like, this... It's interesting because uh, the plot line of this is very loosely the basis for uh, X-Men First Class. Like, Magneto starting a missile crisis. Yeah, that movie's much better, though. Yeah, no, by a lot. But it, I found that interesting that they did that. Also, like, when the X-Men show up to help the military, for a group that's, like, trying to gain acceptance, they just, like, bowl the military out of the way. Like, yeah. I... But that, that sort of X-Men... Jean Grey gain... just throws them mentally. Yeah, that sort of X-Men trying to gain acceptance and being hated and stuff is not really touched, I think, Not at all too much the here. The military, after, like, they get bowled out of the way by the X-Men, like, <clears throat> they're just like, oh, the X-Men are good with me. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it's not that good. Also, um, Angel, like, just appears to float in air. They don't really show, like, motion for him flapping his wings. Yeah, which he is... shouldn't really be able to, like, just hover in a room. It's kind of weird, because, like, I think of Jack Kirby as showing a lot of motion usually. Yeah, I, it's very clear this was, like, the last one that he had to do on a Friday, probably. Yeah, this, like, his Fantastic Four of the era is much, much better art. And and you mentioned earlier that maybe it was the, the uh, inker or the colorist. Yeah, I was... Like, beforehand, I was like, was this Vince Coletta? Because I know that Vince Coletta gets a lot of flack for destroying Jack Kirby art. Yeah, so And his inking. Like, there's no Kirby crackle here. There's not a lot of the stuff you'd normally expect from Jack Kirby. It's just very basic. I do think that, regardless, you can kind of tell that he enjoys drawing Fantastic Four more, and Stanley probably enjoys writing it more. This Yeah, no, I'm not surprised that X-Men got cancelled early on. Yeah, I Like, Chris Claremont was the one that brought it back and made it Yeah, I wrote in my notes here, I miss Chris Claremont. Claremont. Yeah, this is not good. This is, like, very basic. Yeah, it feels like there are too few of them. It's pretty generic. It, it really just felt like they wanted to put out another hero comic and didn't want to work for creating backstory, so they made them have the powers from birth. Yeah, there was and, also no elements of, like, they, you know, couldn't fit into society. Like, they yeah. all, like... Everything you know Even Angel, love. like, he can bind his wings. Like, that's a plot point. Like, they're largely... There's no, like... We aren't accepted in society. Yeah, everything you know and love from X-Men is not here. Yeah, it's just, it's not very good. 
if you want to read X-Men's start elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, one of my notes here does specifically say, I don't think Stanley knows how magnetism works. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> one thing that I love, um, early on, like, X, like Xavier calls his students mentally, and he says tardiness will be punished, and that instilled a sense of deep dread in me. Like, what does that mean? Does he just, like remove your mind's ability to feel joy to see lobotomize you if you're late he like probably just gives you an extra round in the danger room <laughs> yeah you have to fight for your life um yeah um yeah magnetism works real weird there's like some some uh force fields caused by magnetism but then cyclops's eye blasts can just blast right through him yeah Cyclops' eye blasts are always uh, vague about yeah what they are or how they work. So just in their vague here. Yeah, back on the Danger Room courses, Angel's course, like, for someone who can fly, like, his is filled with so much, like, mortal, like, you know, threats. Like, he he almost gets crushed or burned alive. Like, yeah. now, Xavier like, seems to hate him. Yeah, this issue's weird. Cyclops is still insufferable. He's about the only one that's consistent he's like such a suck up yeah also he's not named scott summers is he not no he's named slim summers oh i thought that was a nickname he's never referred to as scott in this i checked really he's just slim summers weird yeah that was weird uh this one okay i i will i will come back here a couple of these comics of this era especially for marvel like um incredible hulk and whatnot and X-Men here, they mention, like, this atomic radiation, and it, it, it sort of feels like it definitely infused with the 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 sort of, like, 60s-era fear and awe of atomic radiation. Yeah, it's, it's very just, atomic era. Yeah, which was a theme in the comics I was reading. They're, mo like, Monster Age. Yeah. And just this origin is, like, the weakest one Marvel's done, the one that's changed the most. They never really bring back call back to it. Yeah, all of your favorite X-Men, Wolverine, uh, Storm... Yeah, none of the good ones uh, those are Those are there. all from Giant Size X-Men number one, which is where Chris Claremont picked up. Yeah, it's um, just... Uh, Chris Claremont also has some not great X-Men comics, but definitely, if you want to read classic X-Men, just start there. This is not it. Yeah, this is very weak. Yeah, it, there's some okay ideas, which they later... They later expanded in better X-Men comics. Yeah, no. And I, I totally believe this being a Doom Patrol knockoff because of just how generic it is. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, it really feels like they just needed to fill a quota, which is surprising because this would become the company's bread and butter for decades. Yeah, until they wanted to they come off. <laughs> yeah. But we could talk about that, that another, another time. Alright, that is our final issue. Yeah. So with that, we'll finally be done. Yeah. And I am glad to be done with some of these comics. Yeah, me too. They Comics have definitely evolved a lot. Hopefully will evolve and get better. Because yeah. they're slow-paced. They're very painful to get through. Like, it was a lot to get through all of these. Yeah, I love to read comics. Ten oh, issues yeah. of comics for me. Well, I I'll don't binge think we talk a about lot, like ten. But these are difficult to get but, through. Yeah, I, I can read this many comics in a day, yet somehow this took me, like, a couple weeks. Yeah, same. But so thank you for tuning into our podcast. Thanks yeah. for checking it out. Thank you. Um, please tune in again. Uh, hopefully next time for Halloween we might be talking about some vampire comics. Yeah, I've been reading some Vampirella for a while. And I want to talk about 
uh, Scott Snyder and Stephen King's American Vampire. Probably and, well, much better than Vampirella. Probably, but I'll talk about I Vampire. I like Vampirella, no though. <laughs> Not in a creepy way. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> okay. Very much so. All right. Well, we'll talk to you then.